You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. Welcome in, everybody. Hey. Episode 675 yeah. awesome. awesome. of the podcast. Yeah. It is Swimming America. The Air Tour Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Friday. March 3rd, 2023, people, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope everybody is ready for an old school FFE, a fun Friday edition. It feels like we've been way too serious here on the Aaron Torres pod over the last couple weeks. We've talked a lot of Brandon Miller. We've talked a lot of uh, Jalen Carter on the last episode, some Chris Beer dating back three, four, five weeks. So today, a little bit of a lighter show and a little bit of a different show. So Over the last couple weeks, we've obviously, listen, we've talked football as it's popped up, and we'll get back to football as we get closer to the NFL draft. But it's March. College basketball is kind of on the center stage. But I think rather than kind of just going through results from Thursday night, at this point, we kind of know who's good, who's not, who's relevant, who isn't. Instead, what I want to do is focus on the college basketball coaching carousel okay so the coaching carousel in college basketball ramps up really fast it will probably start the middle to next week of championship week as certain teams lose coaches will be fired and so what i want to do today is just completely focus on the coaching carousel we'll open with the three power conference jobs that are currently already open notre dame texas and ole miss from there we'll take a quick break and talk about the ones that i think will open and of course we'll hit on candidates who makes sense, who doesn't, who could get the job, who won't, all that good stuff. Uh, We'll do all that, maybe do a quick preview of the final weekend of college basketball, and then we'll wrap with Aaron Wright and Aaron Wrong. We're not going to be too serious here on a Friday. It was a busy week, by the way, so make sure you go back and download. Obviously, on Thursday, we talked Jalen Carter. Monday was a busy show. Tuesday, we did kind of the conference reset in terms of what you needed to know. So it's been a fun week, and I should mention going forward, it's going to be crazy. We're going to have extra shows, um, you know, March Madness, Selection Sunday, all that good stuff. Make sure you're subscribed here. Make sure you're subscribed on the Aaron Torres Pod YouTube channel. Uh, and also, the College Hoops Daily with Zach Kroll. Zach does an incredible job. Make sure to check out that podcast as well. But like I said, fun show, light show today. And so with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, I'll just tell you, you know, we, we spend 
in the fall. So much time talking college football coaching carousel here on the Aaron Torres pot. This past year it was Nebraska and Auburn and Colorado and Deion Sanders and Hugh Freeze. The year before it was LSU, it was USC. College basketball is a little bit different because the college basketball coaching carousel actually really kind of overlaps with a lot of the postseason in college basketball. So next week is champ week. We will have some coaches as soon as their season ends, they will be given the pink slip, walking out the door of the conference tournament. They'll be walking out the door with their jobs. And then many of the hirings end up happening during the NCAA tournament. And so unless it's in North Carolina or in Indiana or a whatever, we don't do a ton of coaching carousel stuff in basketball, but it's still big. It's going to be crazy. And we already have three jobs that are currently open up. And so what I want to do, start with those jobs that are open, and then we'll kind of go conference by conference and talk about some of the schools that I suspect will open up over the next couple of weeks, who are candidates, who are not, who are realistic, et cetera, et cetera. Let's start with um, a job that that is, is multi-layered. That's the University of Texas. It was the first one to open up. Chris Beard obviously suspended back in December. Chris Beard fired back in January. We discussed all that. He obviously had the, the charges dropped over the last couple weeks. So we will talk about Chris Beard as a candidate for other places. But Texas was the first to open. I think Texas will ultimately end up being probably the best job that opens this year, depending on what else. You know, it depends on what else opens, what kind of candidate they get. Could somebody leave for the NBA, et cetera. But what I would say is, while we don't think about Texas as an elite college basketball job, I am here to tell you, in college basketball circles, coaches revere the Texas job. And we talked about this a little bit when Chris Beard was hired. Because at the end of the day, Texas has everything that you need to win at the highest level. The job pays well. The facilities and resources are through the roof. They just opened that brand new uh, Moody Center Obviously, they were playing in the Irwin Center, which was like a library. That Moody Center is loud. It's vibrant. It's a great place. It appears to watch college basketball. I have not been there yet. But beyond that, why Texas is considered a great job, there's a few other reasons. One, you're headed to the SEC. Whatever the newest iteration of college sports looks like over the next couple of weeks, months, years, whatever, we know Texas is going to be fine. And then most importantly, Texas has turned into a high school basketball hotbed. Everybody thinks of New York City and Chicago and wherever, Detroit, as these elite basketball cities. The bottom line is Texas is starting to recruit or starting to produce basketball players at an insane level. Think about all the high school players that have come out of Texas over the last couple of years. This year in college basketball, Anthony Black at Arkansas, McDonald's All-American, Jordan Walsh, McDonald's All-American from the Dallas area. Uh, Keontae George from the Dallas area, Cason uh, Wallace from the Dallas area plays at Kentucky in previous years, Cade Cunningham, Tyrese Maxey, RJ Hampton, Julius Randall, the Harrison twins. I could go on and on and on justice Winslow who played at Duke. And so because of that, that is why this job is so highly thought of. If you have access to that many good players, it is a place that coaches want to be. That was why Chris Beard wanted this job. It was why I was actually, frankly, curious. And this is the last time I'm going to talk Chris Beard with Texas, I promise. But it was why I was curious to see how Beard did there, because it felt like he was the guy that could tap into everything that Texas is capable of being as a head coaching opportunity. But I bring it up to say this. 
Chris Beard, I think, also unlocked within Texas the idea and the understanding of how good this job is. And my understanding is that Chris Del Conte, the athletic director at Texas, fully understands how good his job is, fully understands how much money he has to spend, and he is going to pursue the biggest names that he possibly can. Now, in terms of the job itself, who could be available, it is first worth noting. Rodney Terry, the current interim head coach who took over for Chris Beard, I still think he has a shot. Now, I don't think that shot is as good as it was two, three, four weeks ago. Remember, it wasn't that long ago that Texas was atop the Big 12 standings alone in first place. But they have now lost five of their last seven games in the rugged Big 12. It's not here to criticize Rodney Terry. It's here to say that this conference is tough, but they've lost their last two. They've lost four of their last seven overall and five of their last nine. This program is trending in the wrong direction. And at this point, I do think it would take a pretty deep NCAA tournament run for Rodney Terry to keep the job. We're probably talking a minimum of the Sweet 16, but realistically, an Elite Eight, a Final Four is probably what's going to keep him there. If he does not get there, I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be interesting to see who ends up getting this job because I do believe it is going to attract high-profile candidates. It's going to pay well. It wouldn't totally stun me if this was one of the two or whoever gets this job is one of the two or three highest-paid coaches in college basketball going forward. And like I said, I think Chris Del Conte, their AD, is going to go after some really big names. The first name, been linked to the job since day one, John Calipari in Kentucky. When this job opened up, I told you, I said, I think Texas is interested. I think John Calipari is interested, but part of it is on John Calipari to to have success, right? If John Calipari goes to the NIT, which he is not going to, but if he goes to the NIT, then realistically, Texas, I don't care if he's a Hall of Famer, probably not going to go hire a guy that's coming off an NIT appearance. Well, he's righted the ship at Kentucky, and really you start to look at everything going on, and it's multifold. One, I do still believe that Texas can sell, hey, we just hired a Hall of Famer. Two, he's going to bring the number one recruiting class in the country with him. And three, I think Calipari, let's just say I've, I've heard he's, a little bit frustrated with everything that's going on at Kentucky. I thought it was interesting. After the Vanderbilt game on Thursday, he did one segment, I believe, of his radio show and then let Orlando Antigua, his lead assistant, do it and just said, man, I'm tired. It's been a long year. And it's a weird relationship between John Calipari and Kentucky fans. I think most fans are reasonable and rational. There are plenty, though, including those holding up signs at Kentucky games this year. Hey, go to Texas that have had enough. And so, again, if Texas decides to call, I think he's going to listen. Now, Texas can't come in with a half-you-know-what offer, a half-butted offer. They got to come in over the top, at least match what he's making at Kentucky on an annual salary, whatever. It's got to be a situation where it's good enough to leave, but I still think he is very much in the mix. Do I ultimately think he ends up there? I still think he's back at Kentucky for next year with that number one recruiting class. But, again, Texas wants a big name. Calipari, I think, at least wants to flirt and all that good stuff. So that is worth monitoring from the Texas perspective. Some other names that I've heard, I, I, you know, this one is picking up some buzz. I don't know if I believe it. People are saying Texas wants to kick the tires on Kelvin Sampson. 
Houston, as I record here, is the number one team in the country playing Thursday night against Wichita State. I don't know that I believe that one. It's not that I don't believe it. I think they'll call him. I just don't know if Kelvin Sampson is leaving, leaving Houston at this point, at, at this point, right? Um, Kelvin Sampson is right now 67 years old. Um, doesn't scream like start over somewhere new, no matter how much money you're getting. He's got a good setup at Houston. It's I don't think it's ever been officially announced, but his son, it feels like, is in line to get the head coaching job after he retires. Also, Houston now going to the Big 12, so they're not going to have to scrape and claw in the AAC. Those long plane rides to Philadelphia to play Temple and to this place to play them and to that place to play them. They're going to play a lot of schools in Texas. The competition level is going to be up. They're not going to be off everybody's radar in, in January and February. They'll have high-profile games. They'll get comfortably into the NCAA tournament. But I just don't know, at 67 years old, does he want to start over? And is that appealing to a Texas program that in two or three years you're going to have to, to hire a new head coach again? Because unless he's Jim Beheim and plans on coaching forever, Kelvin Sampson would probably have a three, four, five-year shelf life at Texas. couple other names. First of all, could Texas go kind of the young up-and-comer route? I think they could. You know, Jerome Tang, the Kansas State head coach, is from Texas. He was a Texas high school basketball coach before, of course, going to Baylor where he coached for a long time alongside Scott Drew. Is that somebody they could call? few people actually asked me about Dennis Gates. Now, my understanding about Dennis Gates, he's got a massive buyout, $12, $13 million a year. Basically, every dollar on his contract would be owed to Missouri if you were to leave. Don't know that he is really a candidate, but I'll give you two more names to just keep an eye on, and we've talked about them from day one. The first is Eric Musselman in Arkansas. And I'm just saying, Arkansas fans, I've been telling you since they went. Now, Arkansas fans will say, oh, you know, greatest program in the world. Our, we're in the SEC. We're winning. Our NIL is great. Muss has everything he wants here. I agree with that. What I would also say is the bottom line that you need to know, his buyout, again, unless I'm misunderstanding things, is about $2 million right now. That is nothing for Texas Texas has $2 million sitting in a, you know, the AD at Texas probably has $2 million sitting in his glove compartment, you know, in, in his car, just waiting for something like this. And so I've said, since this job opened up, I said there were two schools, get your coach on the phone and get an extension signed. One was Alabama. They did it with Nate Oates. Two is Arkansas. And it does not appear as though Arkansas and Eric Musselman have agreed on any type of long-term extension. A $2 million buyout is nothing. If I'm Hunter, you're a check. That contract should be on Eric Musselman's desk. I would make him sign it. If not, I would be leaking to everybody the contract's on his desk. What is he waiting for? I cannot believe that they have not inked him up to long-term deal. The other name, I'll just say this really quick. I've heard some buzz that our buddy Mick Cronin, Big Mick Energy, that he's starting to get restless at UCLA. UCLA is kind of a weird place. I live in LA, love the fans, but it's kind of a weird fan base. They're going to the Big Ten. It's going to get tougher. You're going to have five, six cross-country road trips a year in that conference. Um, the travel is going to be tough. The road environments are going to be tough. And, oh, by the way, he could lose most of his team this year with, obviously, Jaime Jaquez is going to be is a senior. Tiger Campbell's a senior. Amari um, Bailey, Adembona probably going pro. Not saying it will happen because Mick Cronin has, if I'm reading his contract correct, an insane buyout. 
I think it's probably even too much for Texas, but that's just another name to consider. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's keep it going with the two other jobs that are currently open right now as we speak. The first one is Ole Miss. And Ole Miss is the only school in the SEC currently open. And my guess is it's probably the only SEC job that's going to open up unless something crazy happens. Unless John Calipari leaves Kentucky, unless something weird happens, unless Eric Musselman leaves Arkansas, which I don't think is going to happen again. Probably the only SEC job that's going to open up after six different SEC jobs opened up a year ago. Uh, When it comes to Ole Miss, you know, listen, it's a really tough job. Everybody kind of knows the history of Ole Miss. And as Alabama has figured out their coaching situation with Nate Oates, as Arkansas has figured things out with Eric Musselman, as Tennessee has figured out things with Rick Barnes, as Auburn has figured things out with Bruce Pearl, it's only getting tougher. It's only getting tougher to win there. And this is just not a school with very much NCAA tournament history. Zero Final Fours in school history. One Sweet 16 that was over 20 years ago. And in the last 20 years, three total NCAA tournament appearances but they move off of Kermit Davis, and it'll be interesting to see what they do. Now, there are two very high-profile, very controversial coaches that are available that have both been linked to the job. The first is Chris Beard. And listen, we've talked about Chris Beard a ton. At this point, you kind of know the deal, okay? We know what he was accused of. We know what was in the police report. And we also know that the charges have since been dropped. I don't think that he necessarily makes sense at a lot of jobs that are going to be open, You know, Chris Beard doesn't feel Georgetown to me. Chris Beard doesn't feel Georgia Tech to me. Chris Beard doesn't feel Stanford to me. But Chris Beard does feel Ole Miss to me, and it's going to be interesting to see this program try and figure out over the next couple days, weeks, and weeks if this is a guy that is the right fit for them. Now, their AD uh, is a guy by the name of Keith Carter who's actually a former basketball player at Ole Miss. He was one of the, uh, you know, he was part of one of the few Really good Ole Miss basketball teams kind of back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, He was a first-team All-SEC basketball player back in 99. So this guy loves the school and, in a weird twist, loves Ole Miss basketball. And so he clearly only wants what's best. My understanding is they are thoroughly vetting Chris Beard. What exactly happened? What's the truth? What was in the police report? What? But at the same time, this is probably your only chance to get a caliber a coach the caliber of Chris Beard, so it'll be worth monitoring to see if they move forward with him. The other super high-profile name is Will Wade. Now, Will Wade's a little bit different, I think, than Sean Miller a year ago. If you remember, we had Sean Miller on this show, and we talked to Sean Miller, and, and you know, he was kind of transparent. I'm not, you know, 
quoting him verbatim, but Sean Miller was still under investigation with Arizona, but he had basically been told, look, we've done the investigation. We, the investigation is done. You, you are not expected to receive any serious punishment. And so it allowed schools to move forward with Sean Miller. And he ultimately got the Xavier job, but he was also candidate at South Carolina and some other places as well. Will Wade is not that. Okay. My understanding is Will Wade has heard nothing. The LSU uh, uh, investigation is still ongoing. I don't know if Will Wade is hireable this year, but say this for Will Wade. He won in the SEC. You could criticize Will Wade for a lot, but you look at his teams at LSU. They won an SEC regular season title a few years ago in 2019. They made the NCAA tournament in 2019, 2021, and 2022. They would have made it in 2020 if it hadn't been canceled for COVID. The guy won. And you can criticize him for whatever, but look at LSU basketball right now. LSU basketball, as I record here, uh, going into the final game of the regular season, they are currently in last place in the SEC at 2-15 and 15 overall in league play. One of their wins was their league opener against Arkansas. So, in their last whatever it is, 14 SEC games, 15 SEC games, it would be 16 SEC games. They're 1-15 in their last 16 SEC games. Bring it up to say, Will Wade, we could criticize him for a lot. The guy was a winner. And in the NIL era, is it a different deal? Don't think it's going to happen, but Ole Miss is the one job again that I could see this happening. But it's also worth noting, guys, really quick. It's also worth noting that we, what we and we've talked about this before with any coach, is that it's not just the AD and it's not just the fans who decide who's going to be the next head coach. It's got to go through the school president, board of trustees, all that good stuff. And we're going to get to an interesting example of that in a minute. But I just bring it up to say it's not always as easy as this guy's the best candidate. Go get him. I don't know if Ole Miss goes after one of those two. I think they maybe should, but I don't know if they will. Now, if they don't, a couple interesting names for Ole Miss. Ron Hunter, who was at Tulane. You you may remember him. He was at Georgia State a few years ago, won an NCAA tournament game. Right now, Tulane is 17 and 10 in third place in their conference behind only Houston and Memphis. Ron Hunter has built multiple programs into NCAA tournament caliber teams. And then also a name to keep an eye on here. Dusty May is the head coach at Florida Atlantic. For those who haven't followed Florida Atlantic, incredible year. They're 26 and three overall. They ran away with the conference USA title. They were ranked at one point and there's buzz that he is probably the favorite to get that old miss job. Dusty May from Florida Atlantic final power conference job. That's currently open. That is the Notre Dame fighting Irish and shout out to Mike Bray. For those who missed it, Mike Bray, the Notre Dame head coach, he was asked what, uh, what was it? Wednesday night was his final game as Notre Dame head coach. And he was asked before the game, what are you going to do? And I guess there is a famous bar on campus called the linebacker. And Mike Bray said, I've been here 20 something years. I've never stepped in there. I don't want the PR. He goes, after that game, I'm going there and we're closing down the bar, drinks on me. And Mike Bray closed down that bar. As far as the basketball job is concerned, it's really interesting because it's one of these jobs. Mike Bray got that job in 2001. And so it's an interesting job because I don't think anyone has any concept of how good or bad the job is. But what I would say about it is if you ask me, and I'm just one guy, just saying one thing, is if you ask me about that Notre Dame job, I think it's a good job, and it's because of what Mike Bray did there. Mike Bray proved 
that if you can just kind of get to the NCAA tournament every year, two out of three years, and you can do it in the ACC, you don't have to go to Final Fours. You don't have to go to national championships. This isn't John Calipari at Kentucky that is Final Four or bust every single year. It's not whatever, UConn, Kansas, whatever. Go to the NCAA tournament every once in a while, people stay off your back. Now, in terms of who are the candidates, a couple really interesting names here. One name that I've heard quite a bit of buzz on is actually Fran McCaffrey, the Iowa coach. You might be sitting there saying, why Fran McCaffrey? Well, he's a former longtime Notre Dame assistant before he became a head coach. He actually met his wife there. His wife was a very prominent player um, when she played there. And so there's some real natural ties there. Now, the concern with Fran McCaffrey is a couple things. One, did you see what he did on Saturday? Staring down the refs, yelling and screaming, getting it, you know, like just doesn't really represent himself or a university that well. And then two, the other thing that I thought of, and I've seen a lot of Fran McCaffrey buzz. Fran McCaffrey is 63 years old. Okay. Fran McCaffrey was born in, let's take a look here. Fran McCaffrey was born in May of 1959. One, that's a long time ago, 63 years old. But two, it's interesting to me because he'd be replacing a guy in Mike Bray who was born in April of 1959. So Mike Bray just stepped away. He's retiring. He's getting older. He doesn't want to do this anymore. And you're going to replace him with a guy that's the exact same age. Doesn't make sense to me. I don't see it happening at Notre Dame, but I don't think because of the ties, it's inconceivable. A couple other names at Notre Dame that are worth monitoring. And they're both kind of the same vein of guys that kind of maybe hit a wall where they're at. Are they looking to try to get get out? One is Chris Holtman, Chris Holtman at Ohio State. And Chris Holtman, I think, you know, he's gotten kind of a raw deal at, at Ohio State. So this is a guy, this is year six for him at Ohio State. They're not good this year. But he said publicly before, uh, before their most recent game, they beat Illinois earlier in the week. And then they beat uh, Maryland actually the other day as well. He said, look, We're rebuilding through young guys. We had a great class this year, great class next year. My AD knows that this is a process and he's okay with it. That was what Chris Holtman just said publicly. But at the same time, he's had success. This is year six for him. Four NCAA tournaments. The fifth year was the COVID year of 2020. He would have made the NCAA tournament this year. So he really should be about five for five. This is the first year he would have missed the NCAA tournament. But Ohio State fans are getting restless. And I don't really know if it's fair or not. Like, you look at the history of Ohio State basketball. Um, Listen, Thad Mata made two Final Fours. I get that. But it's not as though they have some great, incredible basketball history. Three Final Fours since 1968. So what is that? 55 years, three Final Fours in the last 55 years. Um, You know, they did make a lot of second weekends under Thad Mata. But it's clearly not equating it, it, it. This is I'm getting off subject here. The point I'm trying to make. Ohio State fans are getting frustrated with Chris Holtman. I don't know if he even wants to be there anymore. Could this be a nice escape clause for Chris Holtman? And then it's the same for Porter Mosier at Oklahoma. Oklahoma Porter Mosier. Remember, he was at Loyola Chicago. Him and Sister Jean bringing that school into notoriety leaves for Oklahoma. It has not gone well. Oklahoma is currently in last place in the Big 12. And he probably wants to get back to the Midwest Chicago area where he had a ton of success at Loyola of Chicago. Don't know if that's going to happen. The buyout on his contract is huge. So those are just some names to keep an eye on with Notre Dame. And then there's the, the, you know, the curveball young guy. If you don't want to go older, do you go with somebody a little bit younger? 
just worth monitoring with Notre Dame. But I'll tell you, fascinating job because you look at it and you sit there and say, I don't really know what I can expect from that job because it's been so long since it opened. All right, so what I want to do, take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll look at the prospective jobs that could open up everywhere else. We'll try to be a little bit quicker on some of the Big East jobs. The Big East could have two, three jobs open up. The Pac-12 could be very interesting this year. ACC, what's going on there? Take a quick break. Be right back. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,600 shops in the UK have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos. And what I love about working with Betfred, nobody does more for their customers than Betfred does. Okay, I've told you before, but I'm going to keep telling you. Cincinnati Bengals games, that Betfred suite is rocking. They had a New Year's Eve into New Year's Day party for the launch of sports betting in the state of Ohio. Shout out to all of you who were there. Obviously, beyond that, there is the Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. We have sent listeners of this show to those tailgates. Colorado Rockies, first pitch at those games. Betfred does more for their customers than anybody, and here is what they are doing. For listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast, okay, so what you got to do, bet 50 on any game and new users, how about this, get up to $1,000 in free bets. There are no catches. There are no gimmicks. Here's what you need to know. Bet 50 on any game, you get automatically $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get $200 insurance on your first five weeks as a Betfred customer. So you decided, hey, I'm going to bet this big game. 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever, you end up losing it. They're going to insure you for that game. So up to five weeks, up to $200 plus $111 for signing up for Betfred today. You're going to want to do it. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torres sent you. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, the Betfred Sportsbook. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's get to the rest of the coaching carousel. We just talked about the three schools that I, I are already open at the Power 5 level. Power 6 in college basketball. Ole Miss, Notre Dame, and Texas. Just realized how long I went on that segment, so we'll try to make this a little bit quicker. Let's get to the power conference schools that I almost think are certainly going to open. We'll go conference by conference, sit on a few smaller schools, start talking about what could open in the future. Lot to discuss, lot to get into, and I promise I'll try to be a little bit quicker. Let's start in the ACC. The ACC could have a lot of movement. We know that Notre Dame is open. Um, And what's interesting is just a lot of programs in flux. Now, to the credit of Pitt with Jeff Capel and to the credit of NC State with Kevin Keats, 
both of those coaches very much came into the season on, on the hot seat. And I think they've essentially both coached themselves off of the hot seat. Now, Jeff Capel, Pitt, they aren't officially in the NCAA tournament, but I don't see the scenario where he is fired after this season, after the program got largely turned around. So I think both of those jobs are safe. But there are a few that are going to open outside of Notre Dame. And let's start with Georgia Tech. So Georgia Tech is one, like, my understanding is it is going to open. They've already kind of behind the scenes started maybe hiring a search firm or talking to a search firm to start to vet some candidates potentially for that job. And I'll just be blunt. It makes sense. You know, Josh Passner is a guy that is very liked in the college basketball community. Was at Memphis now at Georgia tech for seven years, but outside of the COVID year of 2021, um, when they made the NCAA tournament, that was their only NCAA tournament appearance. And they really kind of were on the bubble going into champ week. They win the ACC tournament to get in the NCAA tournament, but this is now year seven, one NCAA tournament. My understanding is the decision has already been made. They're just waiting until the ACC tournament is over. What will be fascinating is a couple things. One, how big is the money that they can offer to a candidate? Because remember, they are paying their football coach, Jeff Collins, a buyout. And obviously, Josh Passner, the new uh, the, the basketball coach, is going to be owed some sort of buyout as well. Because Georgia Tech's a private school, we don't have all the details. But the point I'm trying to make is there is going to be a lot of money owed to former Georgia Tech head coaches. On the flip side, though, this is a job that all of a sudden I feel like is pretty appealing. You are in one of the great high school basketball areas in the country in Atlanta. Obviously, the University of Georgia is not playing great. And the ACC right now is down, right? So, like, I'm not saying you go to Georgia Tech and you're a national champion in three years, but you mean to tell me you can't finish in the top five, top six every year in the ACC in that area and have success and go to the NCAA tournament? This job, to me, feels like a little bit of a sleeping giant, if you will. It should be better than it is. Maybe sleeping giant is a little bit aggressive, but Georgia Tech's going to open I mentioned Ron Hunter with Ole Miss. I think he makes a lot of, or, uh, I mentioned Ron Hunter, the Tulane coach at Ole Miss. I think he makes a lot of sense for both Ole Miss and Georgia Tech. Um, you know, some other guys, there is a coach named Abdur, uh, uh, excuse me, I take that back, Amir Abdur Rahim, Sharif Abdur Rahim's brother, who is coaching at Kennesaw State. They just won 24 games in the regular season. He's from Atlanta. He would make sense there. The bottom line, this one feels like it's almost certainly going to open. I'd be stunned if Josh Pastner is back next year. Clemson is a little bit of a different deal, though. Clemson is one of the most fascinating coaching jobs in America. They got this guy, Brad Brownell, who has been there forever. And it feels like every time the school is ready to move on, he pulls a rabbit out of his hat, makes a tournament, has a run, and is given another two, three, four years. I remember... I don't know if I, I I don't even know if I had the Aaron Torres podcast in 2018, but in 2018, it was believed that he was not going to survive the 2018 season. Gets Clemson to the NCAA tournament. They actually played a regional in San Diego that I was at. They ended up going to the Sweet 16, and he has been riding that wave ever since. He is now in year 13, and this is another one. This feels very much like it is up in the air. Clemson, as I record, very much on the bubble going into their regular season finale at home against Notre Dame. You got to win that one. If you win that one, you got to go to the ACC tournament and have some success as well. Clemson is kind of a little bit what I just mentioned with Pitt. 
The ACC record is good. They're 13 and six. We'll probably finish 14 and six in the ACC, but they were so bad in the out of conference. There's no guarantee that they make the NCAA tournament. My hunch is they do enough this weekend and in the ACC tournament to get in. My hunch is that Brad Brownell is back for another year. Clemson fans are, I think, kind of over this guy, but I would be, I, I don't know if I'd be stunned if he was back, but I think he'll probably be back next year. As far as the rest of the ACC, I think everything is pretty much set in stone, right? Um, Duke, North Carolina have very young head coaches. Boston College's coaches in the second, third year. Uh, Louisville with Kenny Payne. We'll talk about him in a minute, but I don't think they're going anywhere. Mike Bray has already announced his retirement. That's the only other thing in the ACC. Retirement watch for Jim Beheim. I don't believe this man is ever going to retire. Now, this feels like the year that the fan base is starting to turn on him. And so I think he maybe gets one more year to kind of prove that he still actually is capable of doing the job. But I've talked about Jim Mayheim on this show before. I think the Syracuse co uh, community, if you will, gave him the benefit of the doubt up until this year because they figured, okay, the program hasn't been good. But once his sons leave, we'll move on. He'll move on. He'll step away. Well, his sons left last season. He is still there. He is still not winning. Syracuse enters the weekend at 16 and 14 overall, 9 and 10 in the ACC. Don't think he'll retire. My hunch is that probably behind the scenes, they're going to try to nudge him out. If not, I think they're going to kind of give him a like, you got to make the tournament next year or you're on your way out. Uh, also in the ACC, Florida State with Leonard Hamilton. It has not gone well, but he told John Rothstein that he is not going anywhere. There's work to be done. So that kind of wraps up the ACC. Georgia Tech, I would say with 95% certainty is going to open. Clemson with probably about 40% certainty is going to open. Notre Dame, of course, is open already. Let's go to the Big East, where two very prominent college basketball powers could be looking for new head coaches. So first off, Georgetown is going to open. And it's the Patrick Ewing experience has been kind of wild, right? He was terrible for the first couple years. The first, what, three years that he was on the job, they were absolutely abysmal. Um, the COVID year happens, they're really bad. And then, how about this? During that COVID season where we played through COVID in 2021, his team ends up going on a crazy run at the Big East Tournament where they win the Big East tournament the year that there were no fans in the stands and go to the NCAA tournament as a 12 seed. And so it's kind of wild to think about, right? Patrick Ewing, his current record at Georgetown is 75 and 107. He has a 41% win percentage at Georgetown and a 26% win percentage in the Big East, 28 and 80 overall. Basically, he's had one good week in now six years on the job. He got an extension after the NCAA tournament last year, but this feels like it's got to be the end. They're 7-23 right now, 2-17 and 17 in the Big East. He is probably going to be let go the day after the season ends. What makes the Georgetown job so interesting is that this is, for all intents and purposes, the first coaching hiring at Georgetown in like 50 years, 5-0, that doesn't involve the late John Thompson. So John Thompson's a legendary head coach at Georgetown, led them to a national championship, multiple final fours, all that good stuff. He was the coach through 1999. He retires. They give the job to his lead assistant. His lead assistant doesn't work out. 
They give the job to his son. His son is eventually fired, and Patrick Ewing, his most prominent player, takes over as the head coach. And so John Thompson was a guy that was very involved in the athletic department. Some would say he almost hovered over that department. I know he's passed. I'm not trying to be crass or mean about it. But this is the first coaching hiring that they're going to do without his presence in basically 50 years. It'll be fascinating to see what kind of candidates they get, what they're even interested in doing. Now, there's two big names involved with Georgetown, I think, right now leading into the hiring. The first is Rick Pitino. Now, I don't know if Rick Pitino is actually a candidate there, but you read the internet buzz. It seems as though that's the guy that the fans want. And what's interesting about Rick Pitino, he did an interview with Matt Norlander about three, four weeks ago, maybe maybe less, two weeks ago, whatever. And he basically said something that I have told you on this show for weeks, but he said it on the record. Rick Pitino only wants, he basically said, there's about 35 states in the country I'm not living in, okay? I'm not going to live um, in Lubbock, Texas. I'm not going to live in, uh, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska, if the Nebraska job opens up. My hunch is that he doesn't want to live in D.C., but that if this was the best job that opened and they were serious about pursuing him, that he would seriously consider taking this job. Don't know if they will. I don't even know if they know if they will yet. But he is probably one big name. And the other big name is Mike Bray. So you're probably sitting there saying, wait, wait a second, Don Torres. You told me Mike Bray is retiring from Notre Dame. So if you remember, Mike Bray retires, what, mid, mid-January. mid And then about two, three weeks later, he comes out with a statement that says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm retiring from Notre Dame, but I still want to coach again. And a lot of you kind of reached out to me privately. I've been asked about it in radio interviews. What was that about? And essentially what I believe it was about was this, is my hunch is that Mike Bray, who is from the Washington, D.C. area, coached at the famed DeMatha High School before he became a college coach, then coached at Delaware, which is obviously a bordering state to you know Maryland and Virginia in that DMV area. My hunch is that why Mike Bray put it out there that he still wanted to coach again was for one of two reasons. Either he wanted Georgetown to know, hey, I'm open for business. Give me a call. I still want to coach. Or maybe Georgetown wanted to hire him, but they couldn't pull him out of the scrap heap as a retired guy. So my hunch, if I had to bet right now, I think it'd be one of those two guys that takes the Georgetown job. If not, It's very fascinating. I don't even know where you would start with a candidate list with them. Micah Shrewsbury from Penn State is a young, dynamic guy that I think would do really well. You know, Mike Boynton at Oklahoma State. um, Oklahoma State's a tough job in the new Big 12. He's from the New York City area. Is this a job that he would be interested in leaving for? These are things to seriously consider. I don't know that there's obvious candidates after you get past Rick Pitino and Mike Bray, but again, Mike Bray, 63. Is this somebody that you want? Rick Pitino, 70. Is this somebody that you want? This is all worth considering. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. Laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, forward, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Staying in the Big East. You know where I'm going. I am going to Madison Square Garden where the St. John's Johnnies, the St. John's Red Storm, used to play. They don't really play there anymore because they stink. As a matter of fact, you want to hear a crazy story? So UConn played there last Saturday. And the reports were, I was not there, that it was like 80% UConn fans at a UConn-St. John's game at Madison Square Garden. And that the AD actually sent out a statement saying, we will not play UConn at Madison Square Garden anymore. We're only going to play them on campus. That is how sad and pathetic the situation at St. John's is they're afraid to play at Madison Square Garden because it gets taken over by other fan bases. The program is bad. Mike Anderson is in year four and they're not going to the NCAA tournament. Now, I've heard mixed things on if Mike Anderson will actually be fired. You know where I stand. I've seen the Mike Anderson. I've lived the Mike Anderson experience for 15 years at Arkansas and St. John's. This is who he is. This is who he's always going to be. Four years at St. John's. 17 and 15, 16 and 11, 17 and 15, 17 and 13. It's 2023. You don't need five years to build a college basketball program. Look at what Jerome Tang has done in year one at Kansas State. Look at what Dennis Gates has done in year one at Missouri. Eric Musselman got Arkansas to the Sweet 16 in year two, or the, the Elite Eight in year two. Nate Oates won an SEC title in year two. Mick Cronin got UCLA to a Final Four in year two. Juwan Howard got Michigan to an Elite Eight and won the Big Ten in year two. You don't need five years. With that said, first off, I'm not totally sold that St. John's is going to fire Mike Anderson. And if they do, I am here to very sadly report that I do not believe that Rick Pitino will be hired in his place if Mike Anderson is let go. Based on all of the Rick Pitino stuff that I've done, remember, I'm selling the We Want Rick shirts. You can get those at AaronTorresOnline.com. But I'm being told that the Board of Trustees will not sign off on Rick Pitino. I think it's idiotic. He's been cleared by the NCAA, and he's going to go to Georgetown and beat your brains in. He's going to beat your brains in. It, it, it'd be a colossal, historic mistake for St. John's basketball if they don't go get Rick Pitino. I don't believe he's a candidate, though. Now, if they don't get them, who could they get? Again, Mike Boynton of Oklahoma State. He's from New York City. Is this a job that he would leave Oklahoma State for? Oklahoma State's a really tough job. The Big 12 is only going to get tougher with the additions of Houston and all those schools coming in. Oh, by the way, I think in the next month, the Big 12 could add Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah because the Pac-12 is falling apart, now you add Arizona to the mix. Oklahoma State's a really tough job. I could see him being interested. If not, the only other name that comes to mind, I think it is worth monitoring, and this is a guy I would go get if I can't get Rick Pitino. If my board will not sign off on this, I would go get, remember the name Speedy Claxton? Former NBA player. He is at Hofstra, which for people who don't know, is in the New York City area. 
Hofstra won, uh, split its league this year. They went 23 and 8, 16 and 2 in their league. Speedy Claxton is their head coach, former NBA player, young guy. I think he'd take the job. That's the guy I would go get if Rick Patino would not sign off. But if I was the AD and they wouldn't sign off on Rick Patino, I'd probably just quit because you have a chance to make history if you're St. John's. Go make it happen. I don't get it. Just make it happen. You have a Hall of Famer, maybe the greatest coach in the history of the sport, the greatest pure basketball coach in the history of the sport in your city. He wants to be there. Make it happen, St. John's. Unfortunately, I don't think it will. And so it is what it is. Rest of the Big East, I don't think there's going to be much movement. Uh, Big 12, I should mention, I don't think there's any movement except for at Texas, which we've already discussed. Let's go to the Big 10 really quick. Uh, Very quickly, there's really only one job that's going to open there. Northwestern, they entered on the hot seat. They're going to survive, obviously, because they're going to make the NCAA tournament. I don't know if any of the Big Ten jobs are going to open. Now, there was a little buzz about Wisconsin. They were very aggressive in firing their football coach, Paul Christ. But would they fire Greg Gard, their basketball coach? The AD said it's not even in the conversation. He's going to stay. Everybody else feels safe in the Big Ten. The only job that could open is Nebraska. Nebraska's wild. Remember, Fred Hoiberg, former NBA head coach, is the coach there. And it just hasn't worked out. It's year four. Zero NCAA tournaments, nothing even close to an NCAA tournament. But there's a few factors that are very interesting there. One, the team is actually improved this year. They're 15 and 15 overall, 8 and 11 in Big Ten play. If they had just been a little bit better out of conference, the Big Ten is so good in the metrics that they would be in the NCAA tournament hunt. But they have some nice wins on the resume. It's worth noting. They beat Maryland, who's in second place in the conference. Uh, You know, Nebraska beat Iowa, who's a really good team. Nebraska actually played Purdue really tough earlier this year. Nebraska beat Ohio State. Nebraska beat Penn State. Nebraska beat Wisconsin. Nebraska beat Rutgers. They have some very nice wins and are 8-11 and overall. So the AD there, Trev Alberts, can probably talk himself into another year. And the other factor with Nebraska that I do think is important, they're paying Scott Frost, the football coach, $15 $15 million in buyout money. So as rich as Nebraska is, as committed as the boosters are, as much Big Ten money is TV money is coming in over these next few years, you're already paying your football coach $15 million in buyout money plus what you're paying Matt Rule, the new football coach. Are you going to write a check to Fred Hoiberg for $10 million? I don't know. My guess is Nebraska probably keeps Fred Hoiberg and probably one more year. You can kind of sell your eight and 11. If Nebraska wins this weekend, they play at Iowa. They're now 10 and 10 or they're now nine and 11 in the big 10. Just interesting. Just worth monitoring really quickly. The sec, no real movement that I see happening outside of Ole Miss. Obviously, you know, if John Calipari leaves, that's a different conversation, but no movement in the sec outside of Ole Miss. And then finally the pac 12 is just wild. I'll try to be quick on these. Um, one Stanford, I would say with almost certainty is going to open Jared Haas, their head coach is in year seven. They have yet to make an NCAA tournament. I know it's Stanford, but I know it's a hard job. It's hard to imagine anyone getting the year eight in a power conference without making an NCAA tournament. And in some ways I feel bad because one, this is an increasingly tough job transfer portal. It's really hard to get transfers in at Stanford. Um, NIL, Stanford is not going to just drop cash to get players. 
And also, it's worth noting, Jared Haas had his best team at Stanford the year of 2021 COVID, and Stanford probably had the worst conditions of anybody based on where they were located. They couldn't go back to campus. They couldn't practice. They couldn't do anything. But it's year seven, and you're out of excuses. And here's the problem for Jared Haas. There's actually a candidate that makes perfect sense to take over for him at Stanford. Mark Madsen, remember that name? Former Stanford star, played in the NBA, was Shaq's backup with the Lakers. He's the head coach at Utah Valley right now. They just won the WAC regular season. My guess is Mark Madsen is the Stanford head coach next year. Staying in the Pac-12, staying in the Bay Area. Cal is a freaking disaster. Cal is a freaking disaster. 3-26 and 26 right now this season. Devin Askew, the Kentucky point guard, was their best player. He got hurt. That tells you everything you need to know. Former Kentucky and uh, uh, Texas player. Um, but I've actually heard mixed things about this one. One, Cal is in complete financial ruins, okay? Complete financial ruins. Two, by the way, Stanford, I'm hearing there might be a little money issue there as well. I just want to throw this out there. My understanding at Stanford that David Shaw retirement, and I use air quotes, might not have been a retirement. They may owe him some money because they may have forced him out the door. So money might be an issue at Stanford, and money is definitely an issue at Cal. And what I was kind of told by more than one person is that there's kind of a belief at Cal. Well, there's two things at Cal. One, the guy who hired him is still the AD. Usually, if you screw up a coach so bad, they don't let you hire the next one. So that's part of it. The other part I've kind of heard is that they're kind of like, look, Mark Fox, you're a bad coach, but we're paying you a lot of money and we're not going to pay you money to go away and let somebody else fix your mess. We're going to make you see this mess out till the end. I still can't see them bringing him back right now. Again, they are three and 26, two and 16 in the Pac-12. My guess is he's gone. And then from there, who gets the job? My guess would be Joe Pasternak. He is the Santa Barbara head coach right now. They're, Santa Barbara is closing up. They made the NCAA tournament two years ago, uh, almost beat Creighton actually in round one. They just, uh, they're in tied for first place in their regular season conference right now, as I record. Uh, they do have two games left. Also, another school in that league, UC Irvine, they have a head coach named Russ Turner, who I think could be a candidate at Cal as well. Still think Cal opens, but we're not sure. Two other quick jobs in the the Pac-12. One is Arizona State, Bob Hurley. It's come full circle, but they're on the NCAA tournament bubble. My hunch is Bob Hurley gets another year, especially because they could play their way into the NCAA tournament. But if he doesn't go, one thing worth noting, I said a minute ago, Rick Pitino has talked very openly about a lot of places he wouldn't coach. My guess is living in Phoenix, Scottsdale, not a bad place for a 70-year-old to retire to. The Pac-12 is a mess. Rick Pitino could have a tournament team there next year. Uh, And then finally, Washington in the Pac-12. Mike Hopkins made the NCAA tournament in year two. It's been mostly a disaster. He, of course, has a $6 million buyout, so my hunch is he might get one more year. Not saying he should, and my hunch is, mm, I'd say 50-50 if he gets fired. They have a winning record right now, but they're not very good. Mike Hopkins at Washington is the other one. A lot of information. I hope this was good. A few other jobs that I think could open. Western Kentucky, I think, is going to open. Rick Stansberry, you got to go, buddy. Uh, (laughs) USF, South Florida. That's a job, by the way. Rick Pitino, he wants to live in either New York City or Florida. That's another one I could see him taking. The only four I could see Rick Pitino taking, by the way. South Florida, Arizona State, Georgetown, and St. John's. 
South Florida will open. And then there's some interesting ones that could open next year. LSU, Matt McMahon, like Matt McMahon, they're in last place in the SEC. You finish in last place next year, it's hard to sell going forward. Same with Kenny Payne in Louisville. I don't dislike Kenny Payne. They're really bad. They need to have some success in the portal. We'll see what happens there. Um, Texas Tech maybe next year. Mark Adams, if he doesn't turn things around. Oklahoma next year, if Porter Moser doesn't turn things around. You want to go into the SEC with maybe the worst basketball program in the SEC? Probably not. So there will be some interesting jobs that open next year. But again, that was a lot of information. Hopefully it was interesting. All right, so what I want to do. Do you want to take a quick break? A lot of stuff I just threw at you. Quick break. Play Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Fun show, Friday show. Be right back. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. And I do want to wrap with America's favorite podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. And it struck me, this might be the last Aaron right, Aaron wrong for a couple weeks. Next Friday's show, we'll be reacting to conference tournaments. The week after that, we'll be reacting to the opening round of the NCAA tournament. And the week after that, we will be reacting to the Sweet 16. So those Thursday into Friday shows are going to be very busy. But today, Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong lives. Here's what you need to know if you're new to the show. Yes, this is a bit that I stole from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong every week. And I decided to bring it to the Aaron Torres pod for one very simple reason. It's because nobody loves giving out hot sports takes quite like your boy Torres. And when Torres gets stuff right, he likes to tell you. Just one problem. I get a lot of stuff wrong, too. I got to own it. I got to take L sometimes. And so this is why we do Aaron right, Aaron wrong to give you my best and worst hot sports takes of the week, month, and year. And sometimes I got to take an L on some of these. And I certainly will today where Aaron was right. So about two weeks ago, everybody in the media was going gaga over the Pac-12 visiting SMU. Oh my God. SMU going to the Pac-12. They're going to be in Dallas. What does it mean? And I told you, I said it means nothing because I'm not sold that the Pac-12 is going to exist two years from now. And of course, I was on top of this before everybody else. And as time goes on, it feels more and more and more likely. I don't know if the Pac-12 is going to survive. This is not what I want. We have to separate what I want and what I think most people want from what I think is realistic. And the bottom line is we are now at the end of February into March. College basketball season is going to be done. The Pac-12 does not have a TV contract beyond this year. And so those corner schools are starting to get antsy. I believe that Oregon and Washington are still holding out hope that the Big Ten is going to some point call. But at the same time, these Pac-12 schools want answers. And some of these schools know they have a soft landing spot in the Big 12. The new Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark, has made it clear. We want that fourth time zone. We want to be on the West Coast. That's something that Colorado, Utah, and the Arizona schools would provide. Listen, it's not what I want, but I think it's going to happen. Keep an eye on this. I think the next two weeks are crucial. If we get out of the NCAA tournament without a new TV deal for the Pac-12, I think the Pac-12, those other schools might start making moves, might start going in another direction. Keep an eye. I'm telling you, by April 1, if there's no new TV deal, some of those schools might start moving. Where Aaron was wrong. Let's stay positive on the Pac-12 for a second, although we're talking about a school that, oh, by the way, uh, is leaving in a couple weeks or a couple years. 
and that's UCLA. And I just want to say this. I was watching UCLA beat Colorado. They win the Pac-12 title. And I'll admit, I did not think Mick Cronin was going to be this good at UCLA. Now, by the way, I'm recording before the Arizona State game on Thursday night. If UCLA loses, pretend this part did not happen. But at the same time, I remember when this hire was made, I said, it's going to be fine, whatever, who cares? But Mick Cronin, he's from Cincinnati. Does it make sense? Is he going to be that good? He can never win in the NCAA tournament. Well, as it turns out, Cincinnati's been a train wreck since he left, and UCLA has gone to another level. First Pac-12 regular season title since 2013. They're very much in the running for the number one seed out West. And in a weird year, they have as good of a shot as anybody to win the national championship. Credit my boy, Mick Cronin. Big Mick energy. Did not think he was going to be this good. And I'll just tell you, man, he is shocking me with how good he is. Got to give him a ton of credit. Where Aaron was right. Did you see the NBA All-Star game? Of course you didn't. Nobody watched. And if you did, it was abysmal and you turn it off in 30 seconds. Why do I bring it up? It is because I have said since day one, Adam Silver is the worst commissioner I've ever seen. Oh, Adam Silver's so great and he cares about the players and blah, 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 blah. And I said, tell me what he's done that's good. Regular season ratings are down. Playoff ratings are down. The All-Star game just hit a new record low last week. Player trade demands are up. Players are unhappy. Um, Players are sitting out because of load management. This league is a disaster, and it falls on the leadership. This guy is a mess. I think that he does 90% of the things he does because it's going to look good on social media. I've said for years, the one-and-done rule, which he wants to change. It sounds like they're removing the one-and-done rule, by the way. It's because Adam Silver wants to look good on social media. Oh, my God. These poor college athletes, they're being exploited. Hey, the one and done rule is your rule. It ain't anybody else's. But everything this guy touched turns to absolute crap. The league is a mess. I don't ever remember there being less interest in the NBA than there is right now. The NFL is taking over in a way that they have never taken over. They took Christmas Day. They now own March with the Combine, which is going on right now. The NBA is a mess. Somebody get Adam Silver out. This guy is a train wreck. Here is my prediction on the Aaron Torres pod. I am recording this on March 3rd, 2023. My guess is by March 3rd, 2025, Adam Silver is out. Everything this guy touches turns to crap. The players have too much control. That's another conversation for another day. Adam Silver's a mess. I don't think he lasts another three years. Where Aaron was wrong. So the day Chris Beard got arrested... And the day Chris Beard got fired, I said, I don't believe he's ever going to coach college basketball again because it doesn't matter if the charges are dropped. It doesn't change what's in the police report. We have talked about it. I don't need to keep going over it again and again. Well, fast forward, the charges have been dropped, and I think he's coaching college basketball, maybe not next season, but no later than the 2024-2025 season. Again, there's a difference between what should happen and what will happen. What should happen, I don't know if he should be a leader of young men. I don't know how he's going to sell moms walking into their house and saying, come play for me. I'm going to turn your your son into a man. But he's a great coach. There's 300-something Division I jobs, and somebody is going to take a chance on him. I don't get it. I don't understand. I I, I don't want to say I don't get it and I don't understand. I'm just very surprised that it sounds like it might happen this cycle. I think Ole Miss is in play. I think Western Kentucky is in play. I think if the right job in Texas opened up, whether it's a small school, whatever, Chris Beard could be back, and I was dead wrong on that. 
Let's get to some football where Aaron was right. So since the day the Chicago Bears got the number one overall draft pick, I said, I think they need to trade the pick because I love Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young is going to be a phenomenal NFL quarterback. But quarterback is not like one of the top 500 issues that the, the Chicago Bears have right now. They need receivers. They need O-line help. They need help on the defense. And Justin Fields, to me, is a very good quarterback. Give him some weapons. See what he can do with actually talent around him. Well, combine was, you know, combine week is this week. It's ongoing right now. It started on Monday. Um, and I just bring it up because Monday morning, we got a report from Adam Schefter that the Bears are shopping that number one pick. This is the right move. Trust Justin Fields. He, I believe, can be the guy, but you got to get him some help. Move back in the draft. Let the Colts draft uh, Bryce Young number one. Let the Texans draft Bryce Young number one. I don't really care, but I believe Justin Fields is the guy and curious to see what happens. Where Aaron was wrong. So speaking of the number one pick, I don't get the Anthony Richardson hype. I never have, and I probably never will. He's fun to watch, okay? But he completed 53% of his passes at Florida this year. Never thought he was Cam Newton. Never thought he was Vince Young. Players that he was compared to earlier in the year. Don't get it. Still think he's the fourth quarterback off the board. And I don't think it's inconceivable that he drops on draft night. But the betting markets over the last couple weeks have skyrocketed with the potential of Anthony Richardson to go number one overall. Now, it feels a little fool's goldish to me. Because I don't know how you can be get betting on who goes number one when we don't even know who's going to have the number one overall pick. It does seem like it's in the cards, though. I don't get it. Um, this is just one. I, I want to take Anthony Richardson number one. Bryce Young is my QB one. Then there's a big gap to CJ Stroud at number two. I would actually take Hendon Hooker at number three over Will Levis. That's probably not going to happen, but that's my top three. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Hennon Hooker, then Will Levis, then a big gap with Anthony Richardson. I get the tools are there. I'm not sold, but guess what? I host a podcast. I ain't an NFL GM, and he's probably going to go higher than I anticipate. By the way, we'll talk more NFL draft as we get closer to the draft itself. Where Aaron was right, said all year, Purdue, I don't buy him. Not for me, not a fan. Well, this weekend they lost to Indiana for a second time this season. And three of the last uh, four, three of the last four games coming into Thursday were losses for Purdue. They might not even end up with a number one seed at this point. Listen, they're a fine team. They're okay. But as I've said all along, as I've said all along, their entire resume was built on beating a Duke team and a Gonzaga team in November that we did not realize at the time were completely overrated. That was where the hype came from. Ironically, their best win in the out of conference was probably Marquette, which is something we never talk about. But you look at what they've done in the Big Ten. They've beaten most of the good teams at home. Their road wins really aren't all that great. One point win at Michigan State. Win at Minnesota. Loss at Indiana. Loss at Northwestern. Loss at Maryland. Win at Ohio State, who's terrible. Ohio State's not good. Purdue, they're fine. They might get to the Sweet 16, but they're not getting any further. Finally, where Aaron was wrong. We talked about it earlier. I'm going to be wrong on Rick Pitino to St. John's. Listen. I'm a giving person. I'm a caring person. I just want what's best for everybody. And I just want all the fans out there to be happy. I want St. John's fans to care about their basketball team. I want the program to be relevant. But apparently the powers that be do not care. And it appears as though Rick Pitino is not a candidate at that job. 
I don't get it. I don't like it. I think it's a mistake. And I think St. John's is headed for another four or five years of mediocrity with whoever they hire. And then you hope the next time around you get it right. Hate to say it. It's the truth. And it makes no sense to me. There is a hall of famer in your city right now that wants your job. He will work for less than what you should have to pay for a coach of his caliber. He wants to live in New York. He doesn't want to move. He wants to retire in that city. He wants to go back to Madison Square Garden and build a winner. St. John's, stop screwing around. Make it happen. Prove me wrong because I don't think you're going to do it. But for right now, where Aaron was wrong, I don't think it's happening. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. I have talked long enough. Before we get out of here, make sure you're subscribed to the show, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That's all for today's show. Um, Next week's going to be weird. I don't know exactly what the schedule is going to be. Historically, I have found that, you know, for the most part, you guys and girls, you know, back end of the week, I don't know if you're going to be downloading podcasts because the the games move so quick. So we'll figure it out. We'll definitely have a Monday episode, probably a Tuesday, Wednesday episode, and then we'll play it by ear from there. But it's time for me to go. Time for me to get out of here. Time for me to go do something else. Time for me to enjoy the weekend. So shout out to Torn Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F it. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Monday. New episode. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.